I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What's holding you back? Something is the answer. What is holding you back? We're going to get there. Last Sunday, last Sunday we saw Paul, right? We, we talked a lot about Paul. He was trying to find a way to his friends in Rome in order to mutually encourage one another by sharing these stories of obedience that come from faith. It was a really cool idea. And he was praying constantly, constantly praying that by some means, by some means, now at last, I may find a way, find some way in the will of God to come to you. Some way. Well, cut to Paul in handcuffs trying to convince the crew of his prison ship to just stay anchored in the peaceful harbor of Fairhaven, which is right here. This is the actual harbor, guys. This is where they were. Real place, real stories, real people. Remember that? That's it. And he's there in cuffs saying, saying, okay, guys, uh, uh, the storms are coming in here. And he says, men, I perceive, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only for the cargo and the ship, but also our lives, guys. <laughs> well, they should have listened. They should have listened to him because, spoiler alert, they're about to endure a 14-day shipwreck. That is a shipwreck that lasts 14 days. That is a lot of high seas adventure there. But it turns out that right there was the way in God's will. Paul got what he wanted. Paul got exactly what he wanted, but just not how he wanted it. Not the way he wanted it. Because God's will is quite often quite unlike our will for God's will. Right? Where there's a will, there's a way. We know that. If you submit to his will, otherwise, you'll just get in your own way. That's how that works. So when our way, our way is connected to God's way, double whammy, in a good way. That's a good thing. I know, exactly. Because... Because when that happens, when we get there, when our wills sync up like that, we, we will be willing to do whatever it takes to get it done. And we talked about this a little last week. It's like being, like being given a cure for cancer. You would just find a way. You would find a way to share it with the world, right? And you wouldn't let anything stop you. You would get it done. So when we, we stop and we realize that we realize what Paul realized, that the gospel is the cure for death itself. Boy, it, it'll take a whole lot more than a shipwreck to sink us, right? That's a big thing. So, ask again, what is holding you back? Paul said, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, because it doesn't matter where you're coming from, at all, both to the wise and the foolish, because it doesn't matter what you know, what you don't know, what you think you know, doesn't matter. And that is why I am so eager, I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. You know, he knows all of the world's roads lead to and from Rome. This, it's, it's the center of the known world. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Why would I be ashamed of that? Right on, Paul. Right on. Obligated and eager and unashamed to share the cure. That's the goal right there. The cure. The cure to death itself, guys. And we get a dose of that medicine whenever we receive his encouraging words. This is kind of what we were talking about, right? Those stories of obedient faith. Now, Jesus famously said, before Abraham was, I am. Well, did you hear though? Paul here, Paul right here has got a few I am's of his own. When it comes to sharing, he says, I am obligated. I am eager and I am not ashamed. Okay, be like Paul, be like Paul. So why, why in the world does it feel like we need to be convinced to share this cure? Well, if you really truly, if you really truly believe you've discovered eternal life and you don't feel compelled to share, well, then something's wrong somewhere. It's just, you would if you really believe that. I mean, if a person knows that they have the cure, they share. It's what we do. So, let me ask you this, are you sure? Are you sure that you know that you have the cure? It's a big question, really, honestly. Are you sure that you know that you have the cure? Because when you believe, when you really believe, when you really truly believe, you go out of your way to find a way to share what it is that you know. Right, Paul? <laughs> you should have listened to me, guys. This is them in the middle of the two-week shipwreck. Should have listened to me now. I urge you, I urge you to take heart. Take heart, for, for there will be no loss of life among you, no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood, there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Is that, is that good news? Is that good news or bad news? Kind of sounds like out of the frying pan and right back into the fire. Paul don't care either way because saints got to serve, right? Anytime, anywhere. And indeed, says the angel, and indeed God has granted, has granted you all those with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, says Paul. Well, they're busy starting to crash here. I tell you, if you are not compelled, if you are not compelled to share the cure, then you are failing to grasp, failing to grasp one of three things. Something's wrong here. Either you're failing to grasp the power of the cure, the need for the cure, or you're failing to grasp that people are worth the cure. So think about it. Which one is it for you? Power, need, or compassion? It's one of those three. Whatever the case, though, there's a flaw in the faith that'll anchor us in place when we're supposed to be cutting loose and pushing through. Spoiler alert, by the way, they, they literally have to cut the anchors loose in order to live. That's, that's part of the story. So do you, do you underestimate the power? Let's see. 
Do you underestimate the power? Well, I'll tell you, all of the world's religions, all the world's religions can be divided into three categories. Just three categories. Those, one, that say sin does not exist. Doesn't exist. Two, those that say salvation must be earned. And three, Christianity. We're different, guys. Remember that. We are not accommodating accommodating humanity by our power, but we are transforming it through God's. It's a completely different thing. And only Christianity, only Christianity offers this radical concept of the cleansing of sin and the clothing of righteousness simultaneously by faith alone. That's how it gets done. Not only pardoned from sin, but cleansed from guilt and shame. That's, that's a big deal. It makes us very different. And to do that, we have Jesus. And Jesus Christ alone has the power and the authority to accomplish such a feat. Nobody else even claims it. They know they can't. And that's the gospel. Right there, that's the gospel. That's the cure that he came to deliver. Don't underestimate the power. That's big. That's really big. And Paul knows that. Paul recognized the supremacy. And it's interesting because Paul himself, he was schooled in Greek logic and, and Roman law and Hebrew theology. And so he could see how all religion and philosophy just paled before true power. We see it too. It moves 300-pound linebackers to their knees without shame at all while simultaneously empowering 90-pound weaklings to move mountains without pride. Different. So how can I feel ashamed? How can any of us feel ashamed to share something so supreme? So supreme. Let's put it another way here. Imagine this. Imagine an Olympic gold medalist came to your house for dinner. Don't know why, weird, but let's just say it happened, okay? They showed up. Would you feel ashamed to introduce them to your neighbors? That's, no, no, I hope not. That's my best dinner guest. I usually have, you know, riffraff. <laughs> but this is, look, I would want some of that. You know, look at me. I got that famous person here, right? And, and what if, if a world-famous chef cooked that meal? My buddy, old Bobby Flay here, he came over and he made it for us. Would you feel ashamed to share it with your family? Ah, yeah. oh, no, try it, try it. You gotta try this, this is amazing, this is incredible. Yeah, those are dumb questions because they're irrelevant. You wouldn't be ashamed of that because we are ashamed of things that are less than, not things that are more than. That's silly. So if you're ashamed of the gospel, realize this. You see it as less than. You see it as less than something, less than extraordinary, less than perfect, less than more than anything anyone can imagine. And you can't recognize it. Maybe you do. Maybe, maybe, you, got, maybe you recognize the power. Maybe, you, maybe that's hit home with you. Well, do you underestimate the need? Maybe you're underestimating the need. Maybe that's what's holding you back. Everyone, everyone does require and desire Jesus Christ, whether or not they know his name. That's just the truth. We're designed with a Jesus-shaped hole in us right there. We all have an instinct for it because we, we were all designed by Christ with a void, a vacuum, an unrest in us that is just only satisfied by a connection to the creator, a friendship with our father. 
every single one of us. It's what we're, we're reaching for. It's what everything pulls us toward. And this relationship that is available for us has been made possible through only one for everyone. Interesting. Christianity is so, oh, I know, it just it gives me chills sometimes. But we won't make the effort. We won't make the effort if we don't see the need. Whereas Paul, maybe, you know, as a former murderer of Christian followers, recognized, recognized probably more than anyone, its sufficiency, right? Its ability to fill that need. And hindsight being 2020, once Paul got it, he saw exactly how seriously, eternally essential it is for all of us. He saw the whole in every single one of us. So how could I not feel obligated to share something so sufficient? You have that cure for everybody's heart condition. Now, it's not that we're supposed to be running around telling everybody what we believe all the time, you know, unprompted. That can be offense. That can actually work against you sometimes. It's like, like if you were a doctor. If you were a doctor in a restaurant, you... Well, hopefully you wouldn't, you know, feel obligated or see a need to tell everybody unprompted all the time, hey, I'm a doctor. This guy right here, doctor. (laughs) Hope, Hope not. I hope not. But if somebody starts choking in that restaurant, somebody starts choking in that restaurant and everyone starts yelling, is anybody a doctor? Well, then hopefully right there, right there. You, You know, you'd probably see the need and you'd feel some obligation, I hope. I'm a doctor. Let me through. I'll tell you, this world is choking right now on sin. Mm-hmm. But I can hear some of you. Maybe, maybe you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I don't, I don't have that much to offer. That's not me. Okay, fine. Fair enough. I'm not a doctor either. But let's just say mm, you have a trunk full of old pants. Right? Okay. We've all been there. Maybe you're taking them to uh, Goodwill, right? To drop off, right? That's it. Look at these old pants. Well, you wouldn't see the need or feel any obligation to hand them out to every stranger that you pass by, right? Hey, pants fairies here. That's not going to happen. But if you came across some horrific car accident and everybody is just stumbling around with no pants on... Well, then hopefully you'd say to yourself, I, I, got a, I got a trunk full of pants. I should give these people pants, right? I'm, it's a no-brainer. That's what you would do. You're the pants savior. All of a sudden, just like that. Now, I have no idea what type of accident that was, but you guys use your imagination and share later. That's uh, interesting. But the point is, You do have something, right? You do have something to share and you shouldn't be ashamed of whatever it is. Whatever you have, that's something worth sharing. I mean, these weren't even that great of pants that you had. You were going to go donate them, right? But it was valuable to someone. I mean, boy, that hits home. I got a lot of stuff that I think nobody wants. Oh, everybody needs what you got, whatever that is. And when you were handing out those pants, look at how unashamed you were to share them. You're not the doctor type, you're the pants savior. Lean into it, that's you. That can be every one of us. And hey, you know what? This world is not only choking on sin, its pants are on fire with lies. It's true. You got some pants. You got some pants. And if you do recognize the power and you do see the need, 
Well, then it's got to be this. Maybe you're lacking compassion. Maybe you're lacking compassion. It's a tough one. This is a tough one. You've got to get honest with yourself. Because it isn't that we, we don't care about the people that God has placed around us, but we just don't care enough to make the effort to learn what we would need to know in order to share Jesus simply and plainly and clearly. So apparently that requires more effort than we think that they're worth. That's a problem. But listen, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, you probably don't want to learn about leukemia right now. Right? I mean, no, no real need. You, you don't. You're not a doctor. There's... But I'll tell you what. If your daughter, if your daughter got leukemia, you would quickly become quite knowledgeable. I have a feeling. You'd be on the internet. You'd read a book. You'd talk to doctors. And you'd probably be in some sort of support group and you would share. You would share. The problem is we just don't share when we're not eager. And we're not eager when we're uninformed. And we are uninformed when we won't learn. And we won't learn when we lack that compassion for those who need what we have to offer. And we lack compassion when we fail to see the eternal significance and the terminal condition. This world is dying. That's what's going on here. Eternal significance, terminal condition. Paul got this though too. Paul's our guy. Paul recognized their significance. And he felt what we tend to forget. The people around us are the very people that Jesus came and suffered and died to save. Every single one of them. That's how significant they are. So how could I not feel eager to share the cure with those so significant? Purpose of this entire thing that we're doing, those people around you. Oh man, Paul... Paul's, Paul's walking us through this. You can, just see, you can just see his heart and just learn from him. He recognized the gospel's supremacy and its sufficiency and its significance. And apparently also the value of alliteration, as you can see there. But that right there, that's what pushed him to feel obligated and eager and not ashamed. That's what, that's, what, that's what did it. And he says, he's going to share, he says uh, in Romans, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for, for the salvation of everyone who believes. Why would I be ashamed of that? And that's why he tells his friends in Rome, I planned many times to come to you, many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. But I wanted to come in order that I might have a harvest among you. He knows he's got the right heart. He wants to get there, though. He had no idea how that harvest was going to actually come. We remember. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Our plans can change. God's will does not. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. That's, this is a, that's a big truth right there. Our plans can change. That's workable. God's will doesn't. He's going to get it done. So it's our job to find a way to make way for his will. 
And if something, anything is holding you back from that, then you gotta cut it loose. You gotta cut it loose and change your ways like those anchors in that spoiler alert. Which by the way, they think these right here they think these might just be those anchors that they cut away from the story, the real story, in the real Bible with the real people that it's talking about. Isn't that crazy? I think we disconnect from that. That is why I love these things. We love the, the, the archaeology where you go, that's a real, real possible part of that story. You can go touch it. I talked to someone between services who went and saw it in person. Yeah, isn't that something? You can go do that because it's real. Uh, anyway, okay, I get <laughs> Love that, I just love that. It just brings it home. But yeah, sometimes you gotta cut those things away. Because the weather started getting rough. And the tiny ship was tossed. If not for the gospel of this faithful Jew, the Romans would be lost. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food. Take food, saying, today is the 14th day. You have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing, nothing. Therefore, I urge you, I urge you to take nourishment. For this is for your survival. Get the parallel for us, guys, nourishment. Nourishment for our survival. And when he had said these things, he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the middle of the storm of this shipwreck in the presence of them all. Boy, somebody paint that picture, huh? Where's that Rembrandt? I wanna see that. And when he had broken it, he began to eat and then they were all encouraged, all encouraged and also took food themselves. You know what I hope they said? they're eating. Paul, I want a cracker. That's why parrots say it on the boats. Okay. And all in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. So forget what I said about a tiny ship being tossed. A massive ship was tossed. Massive ship. And they let go of the anchors and left them in the sea and made for shore, striking a, a place, striking a place where the two seas met and they ran the ship aground. And the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion wanting to save Paul, which I think I might too at this point, after saying, okay, he's our only hope, wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose. Let's not kill anybody just yet. Okay, good idea. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Whew. And Paul's bitten by a snake, and all the natives are saved. The end. Unless, unless you go home and read the rest. But you gotta be careful, because you might just learn something that you'll feel compelled to share. And then it's anchors away in his will. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, guys. Father God, we love you. We love you and we thank you for using your supreme power to seek us and save us as your beloved children. Ah, oh, it's so good. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us 
to recognize the need for your way in our lives and encourage us to share it with all those that you came to save. And Lord Jesus, we just thank you for seeing us as so significant that you came and suffered for us to deliver death's cure to us. And everybody said, amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.